Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, part three. Four truths that the devil doesn't want you to know about love and relationships. Now, you might think that we aren't taking the devil seriously with this sermon series, and that could, that could not be further from the actual truth. We actually take the devil very, very seriously. Why? We see in the Bible Satan did not show up until there was relationship. Satan did not show up until Adam had Eve. So where there was relationship, it can almost seem like the devil and all of what the, the devil brings shows up when there is relationship. And you've probably seen and felt this. Like, you probably never felt Satan more than when you got married. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, or you got into a relationship, right? On, honestly, Satan does not want unity. He, he does not he does not want synergy. Satan, more than anything Scripture tells us, comes to steal from us, kill us, and ultimately destroy us. And what we see from, from the very beginning of Scripture, one of the biggest ways that Satan does, does that is through trying to tear people apart through relationships. And that is why with this sermon series, we have said we want to expose some of the lies that Satan has told that you've probably believed and even believe now. And here's the thing. We want you to experience freedom. Freedom. And because and, honestly, what we see, a lot of what the devil said in Genesis 3 are, is the same lies that he tells now. And, and, and check out a few of what these lies are these are these are actual things that Satan said according to to Scripture to Adam and to Eve? He said this. Did God really say that? One of the things that Satan will do is question God. God is is, is question God's word. Well, did God, I mean he said you could not eat from the tree, but did he mean that branch? Did he mean this specific root? Like, did God really really say that? And we have a culture asking you and telling you to question God's word. Secondly, Satan flat out lied. He said, there are no consequences. Just do you, boo-boo. Like, who cares what God says? Just do you. There won't be any consequences from stepping outside of God's creative order. Okay? Thirdly, he said, God is holding something back from you. Like, God knows, man, if you eat this, then, man, you will be, you will be like God. And, and what he was trying to plant to plant in them is... That God is actually, because God has, has standards, in those standards, he's actually holding something back from you. And these are all lies that Satan tells and tries to get us to believe right now about relationships. But honestly, once you, once you actually pro progress past this interaction that Satan had with Adam and Eve, you actually go, in, into, um, you actually go into verses 6 and 7 that say this. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable, also basically saying, also feels good, got the feels, for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband 
who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. What you see here, Satan tried to get Eve into her feelings. Have you ever, I mean, doesn't it seem like we have a culture that's trying to get you into your feelings? The, the great prophet Drake. The great theologian Drake. Uh, got me, yeah, my feelings. Don't, I don't want to hear none of y'all start saying, kiki. Okay, that's it. Like, right, like, like we have got a culture that is trying to get you into your, all up in the feels. And what we actually see here is, is that one of the greatest ways that Satan works is he tries to get us caught up all in our feels. He tries to actually work in our feelings. Here's the thing. Feelings aren't bad. They, they, they really aren't good or bad. They, they are their feelings. And we all have feelings. And they're not bad nor good. But here's the thing. As Christ followers, we've got to be able to properly interpret our feelings. And that is such a key phrase, properly interpret your feelings. Because honestly, the truth is this here. Your feelings are fallen. We are broken. We, in and of ourselves, because of sin, be, be, because we all have this gene inside of us that is called sin. And sin is just a churchy word that basically means this. You have a desire inside of you to do the exact opposite of what God requires. That's why it's called a sinful nature. And you know, I've got three reasons why I believe this is true. And I've said this the past couple weeks. Their names are Dallas, Judah, and Jackson. And those are my sons. You're like, you're so mean. If you've had kids, you know, you don't have to teach them selfishness. You don't have to teach them to be like mine. They come out of the womb with that mentality. And that, why, that is the complete opposite of who God is and what God's like. So here's so here's thing. We have a sinful nature and we have, and, and because of that, our feelings are not, here's the thing, our, our feelings are not, what's, what's, what's the word? Our, our feelings are not, what is the word, people? This is my second service, man. I'm like drained here. Feelings are not perfect. I don't know. This. Trustworthy. Thank you. Y'all going to help me preach the sermon today. Welcome. Y'all going to fill in the blanks for me. Now, your feelings are fallen, though. And so you've got to properly interpret your feelings knowing that what you feel won't always line up with what God's word says. And many times in relationships, we kind of get to this point of it being a, cross, a, a crossroads where you have what your feelings are feeling and you feel it. And then you've got what God's word says. Who's going to win? Because you see so many relationships get, get to this point. I do plenty of counseling, whether it's just relational counseling, marriage counseling, and it, it really gets to this point where I've sat down with people and they have said, I am done. And I'm like, is there, ha, has there been cheating? No. Okay. But, and, and you're a Christ follower. Yes. 
Okay. Is there any sort of crimes going on? Abuse, sexual or physical? No. And you want to be done with your marriage? Yes. Okay. That's not in this book. So, I understand what you're feeling. But what you're feeling doesn't line up with this. So what's going to win? Now I've had people cold, stolen cold look at me in the face and say, oh well. And really what I tell them then is this. If you will quit a covenant relationship, I don't care what you, I don't, you know, it's like you will quit your covenant relationship with this person. The next covenant relationship to go is with God. Because if you won't stay committed to, to someone you can see, how will you stay committed to someone you can't see? And really what you find many times, it's they're in their feelings. And they're not properly interpreting what they feel. And because and, honestly, we will all hit these places and spaces in our relationship with God and, our, and in our relationship with people where what we feel and what God's word isn't lining up. Here's the thing. If there is crimes going on in y'all's relationship, like here's the thing. If you are here today and you are being abused sexually or Physically, you need to get help. You need to get help. Like, you need to, like, come tell us or come tell someone else, and we need to go to the authorities. Okay, if, if there's cheating going on in your relationship, that is the only scriptural thing that I can see here as a scriptural way of saying, okay, we need to talk about this. But honestly, what I find that many things stem from Feelings, we've gotten into our feelings instead of relying on the thing and really here's the thing, on our convictions. Are you feelings oriented or convictions oriented? And you will hit a point in your relationships where those two things will start to clash. Because let me tell you how most, re most relationships go. There's four different steps. There's four different stages, right? You've got the excitement stage. Man, I met this, they're amazing. They're different than me. I'm a, you know, I like spring, they like fall. I'm more fast paced, they're more slower. They're, they're a go-getter, I'm a just, you know, I'm a home person. And all of those differences that you just think balance you out become annoying by month eight. All those things that you thought brought such balance actually bring such hell to your life. And you start wondering, you know, and, 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 and then to, to the, but, but here's the thing, these, these stages are for anything in your life. A diet. We're going keto, woo! Operation sexy. Let's go. Excitement. And then you hit this second stage, disillusionment. Like, I can't have bread. Why am I going to bonefish if I can't have bread? Like, why am I going to Outback? I can't have that brown bread. Like, isn't there something more healthy about this brown, brown bread or something? 
in the relationship, you get to this point where it's, it's like what you expected meets reality. You expected it to be somewhat different. And then reality sets in, and they're not the kind of person that you had envisioned. They, they actually held some things back from you. There's some things you didn't know. Oh, you didn't know they had that much debt. Oh, you didn't know they did this with that person. Oh, I didn't know they, they had these patterns and these habits. So then you get to this point where you've got the expectation, it's, 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 it's so good, and then it hits reality, disillusionment, and then you hit this, this third point, adjustment, where then you've got to start interpreting your feelings. Is God's word going to win out, or is what you feel? And then, too, it goes into this, this fourth statement, is, 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 is growth. What is going to happen in that adjustment period that's going to either grow you by yourself or grow you with this person? But honestly, we've got to learn about our feelings because Satan will use your feelings to distort and get you serving him and what he wants. Yeah, I just want to give you a few thoughts really quick on feelings. I said the first one, your feelings are fallen. And I really believe that there are some people here today that, 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 that you have been putting more faith in your feelings than in God's word. And you have been living by the gospel of you instead of the gospel of God. Maybe you feel that you are out of love. But also, too, God said, let what God has joined together, let no man or no woman, sep- let no man or woman separate. So what is going to win out? And I know there's a lot of, of pushback with that. Yeah, John, but what about? Yeah, John, but what about? And we can set up a time to talk about that if you want to talk about that. Just reach out. But secondly, too, no, relationships have seasons. Like, I've been married 11 years. I can't tell you how many times it has felt like 70 degrees and sunny in San Diego. And how many times it's felt like I'm living in South Dakota. Love you, baby. She's in this service. But I'm sure that she would say the same thing. Where it's just like, right? I hope, maybe, maybe. Yeah, okay, all right, just want to make sure we're on the same page here. <laughs> I should check with her about this stuff before I do this, but. I'm more of the adventurous one. <laughs> um, but, but then too, honestly, there have been seasons where we have, that honestly, winning, winning for that season was just enduring it. You've got to be able to know what a win is in a certain season. If you've got kids, a win might be y'all staying together. I got three of them. Right? For some, for some of you here, a win might just be enduring hard seasons. Seasons of physical disability. Seasons of one person struggling with their mental health. You've got to be able to properly interpret the kind of season you're in. If there is not crimes or sin, you might just be in a hard season. 
And that's a hard word. But honestly, because honestly, think, of, think about if God treated us that, that, that way. How many bad seasons have you been in? That God's grace and faithfulness and love has endured through your jacked up seasons. And it has been his unfailing love that has stayed as the constant in the midst of your turbulation. And that's what God has called us to do marriage-wise. Is, 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 is if there's someone battling going through something, many times it's one person battling and one person is the constant. And there's going to be seasons where you're going to have to be that constant and seasons where it's just going to be hard and endure. And why am I telling you you this because I don't want you to put your faith in your feelings if you're just going through a tough season and here's the thing make and make a permanent decision based on temporary feelings so many people do that they make permanent decisions based on temporary feelings that is just a season that they're walking through and going through in their relationship relationships have seasons that you will sometimes you'll have to endure, but some of you are in a good season. I, re, I remember one time I got done preaching about something marriage, and they came up to me, and they were like, you keep talking about how hard marriage is. My marriage is great. I'm like, well, good for you. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, good for you. It's so great. Be a small group leader and help us have a great marriage like you have. <laughs> no, but honestly, if you're in a good season, enjoy it. Enjoy it. But just don't be surprised if you hit a rough patch. Because relationships are like seasons. Thirdly, though, when, when, you, when, when you are at this point where you don't feel it, now you start to feel a little bit about how God feels. The devil even said it. He goes... Yeah, that guy, J, JC, yeah. Look what, look what commitment did for him. What we see here is that Jesus wasn't led by his feelings. He was led by his convictions and his obedience to his father. And Jesus' greatest joy was pleasing and, and, and obeying his father. And if, if we miss this, if, if we miss the true joy comes from our obedience to God the Father, then we will instinctively follow what we feel instead of what God requires. What, what I have found too is feelings follow obedience. Typically, obedience, you know, here's the thing, we always want, feelings to lead to obedience. But honestly, many times feelings will follow obedience. What I say is this here, act your way into feeling instead of feeling your way into acting. And I don't know if you could define marriage more plainly than that. Or really, for that matter, any relationship where you, you don't wait to feel it you do it, because honestly, that's what love is. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7 tells us this. It says, this is Paul. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and I give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Let's just pause there. Paul says, I could have every spiritual gift this 
I, I, I can be the greatest preacher, evangelist, prophet, but I can do all of that stuff without a heart of love. You can do all the right things with all the wrong intentions and motives. Then he goes and defines love. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Not one time do I see in that that love is a feeling. And really, I think Paul intentionally was, was saying, love isn't in just what you feel. Love is a choice and a decision. And that is why we, we can't discount feelings, but we can't follow them either. There comes a point where you have got to say, what is going to win, my feelings or God's word? And the example that we follow is Jesus Christ. His love for us, his choice to love us led him to pain led him to the, to, the, to the cross. If you want to know what love is, 1 John three sixteen tells us this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And that is why the fuel that you need to love someone that you feel is unlovable is the love that God has for you when you are and you were unlovable. And that is why I believe the most important thing you can do to love people is let yourself be loved by God. And let that shape the way you think about love because God's love doesn't honestly make a whole lot of sense whenever you think about it. Like, what do we give God? Not a whole lot, a lot of problems. But God, because it's who God is, God is love, it overflows out of him onto us and then God's love flows into us and then it overflows out of us to those around us. Here's the thing, though. When I think about love, and how do you cultivate? Love takes a lot of work. I I think so many people put that one slide up, the the fairy tale one, and all that stuff. People come into relationships thinking, is this going to be a big fairy tale? Nope. Thinking, oh, it's kind of like a textbook. Just get a lot of knowledge. And people are just like science projects. And it's just like two plus two. No, people are, are, like, are like art, right? They're, you know, it's, 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 and then two, religious. It's like, okay, we're, the Bible says not, so I'm just going to, you know, and it's a jack and the, you know, it's just like you've got to come into a relationship saying, I am into this thing to do some work under construction. Because if you've ever tried to build or, or cultivate love in any relationship, you better put your hard hat on and be ready to put some work in. Amen? Because if you come in fairy tale, oh, this is going to be great. I'm just going to feel it. No, you ain't. So I'm just going to come in and, and man, you know, I'm, I'm just going to apply the principles that I've been taught. Yeah, it's not going to work on that person. Well, do you know if I just come in and, you know, the, the Lord is my strength. Yes, he is your strength, but you need discipline. You, you know, it's going to take work. Song of Solomon 2, 2, 15. The book of Song of Solomon was actually a Jewish love story that was put into the canon of Scripture as a representation for us 
And it's actually the story of one, uh, 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 it's actually Solomon's love story. And in chapter two, we actually see this, this, uh, this particular love between him and, and his girl blooming. And what it says is here, it says, catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. And basically what he's saying here is, look, our love is blooming, it's, it's doing well, but there's some small little things that are trying to steal our love from us. And really, here's the thing. I want to actually give you a few things quickly, like really quickly, because we're going late today. A few things really quickly that as you're trying to work on and build and cultivate love that will try to come in and steal what God wants to build in your relationships. First off, the first fox is this, comparison. You want to ruin anything special, compare it. Some of y'all love your spouse until you, un, until you get on Facebook. Love your spouse until you get on, on Instagram. Are content with where you are until you jump on and see what somebody else has or what somebody else did. I mean, I mean y'all, it, it is crazy how you can love your spouse one minute and then not like them the next. And honestly, many times it is sincerely because we get caught in the comparison game. The grass would be greener if. If I was just with that person. If I just had their, you know, if, if, if she was just more alike. And, and honestly, what you find is, is that honestly, most of the problems you have seen and that you've been seeing in your relationships have been a constant theme no matter who you've been with. So maybe the issue isn't your partner. Maybe the issue is you. Because wherever you go, there you are. No matter who you're with, there you are. Some of y'all get that tomorrow. <laughs> Comparison. I even struggle with this when it comes to like our church. Because I'm friends with so many different pastors and I'll just start scrolling and be like, oh good. They had 2,000 people show up. Oh, good for them. <laughs> so happy. And then, oh, God, why, you know, God, why, you know, it's like, you know, they just got a building. We meet in a theater that has a leaky roof. It's like, man, you know, it's like, and I'm just like, why in the world am I comparing what God is doing there to what God is doing here? Like, God is doing so much good. Y'all, we're two and a half years in with this church. Like, we've done more in two and a half years than most churches have done in, like, 20. Like, why am I concerned or comparing to what God has done here to what God is doing doing there why because it's it's trying to steal the special and sacred thing that god is doing here and i'm telling you you will if you start comparing your relationship your marriage and you start well the grass will be greener you will miss the sacred and special things that make your relationship unique so you you might you, you might need to take a hiatus from facebook and instagram and get off and start being thankful for what you have the second fox, hidden, hidden sin. It's got real quiet in here. Hidden, hidden sin. What I see many times is, is that what hinders couples is junk in the trunk. I'm not talking about your booty. I'm not talking about your booty, but honestly, it's hidden sin that is exposing itself as outward dysfunction. I just don't feel like he really likes me or cares for me. 
I just feel like, and really what, 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 what could be going on is there is hidden sin leading to an outward dysfunction. Because a lot of what we do and say has a root. It's got, it comes from somewhere. And that's why I just want to say couples here, like if you have hidden sin that you are keeping on this, it, like, it, it's absolutely insane now how many divorce cases include the word Facebook. Where you, you've, you've got to be so careful. And here's the thing. If you have hidden sin, like you, you know you've got hidden sin that is affecting your relationships. You might say, John, it would be too painful to bring this up. Is the pain of changing greater than the pain of staying the same. You're gonna have pain either way. And the challenge to you is, yes, it will hurt bringing it up and getting it out, but it will also hurt being in the same place 20 years later because you never dealt with it. Thirdly, no, thir thirdly, no boundaries. You just, you know, it's like the, the, the bottom line is this. There are things that I will do and say with my wife that I will do with no one else. Like, does your relationship have, bound, have boundaries of what comes in, what comes out? Like, is there just, is there clarity or, the, or is there just assumptions? Fourthly, no vision or values. Are you unified and synergized on where you're going? Because honestly, what, what I see is when there is die. Vision, that means there are two visions of where the relationship is going and why it's going there. And honestly, see, here's the thing, right? These things here, comparison, hidden sin, bound, boundaries, vision, and values. Honestly, what I've seen, many times those things need to be handled and dealt with in a counseling environment. Because if you try to bring this up with, with, with your spouse, partner, whatever, you know, like, hey, I would love to talk about the hidden sin. Here, here's, the, here's, the, here's the thing, like, because that can just be awkward, but also, too, like, you need someone that can also, like, throw a flag if somebody does or says something that is just off course. Like, that's a 15-yard penalty. You're going to have to get back a spot of the foul. <laughs> and, that's, and that's what I want to say. Don't be ashamed to get help, y'all. What, what I say is church people are the worst. Oh, I'm good, Pastor. Good, Pastor. I'm good. Life's great. You've been miserable for 20 years. And, and you just won't kill your pride to get the help that you so desperately need because of the way you'll be viewed and seen. I have more respect for people that get help, that say enough is enough. I'm tired of this mess. Because it's at that point you gain real freedom when your pride dips, when your pride leaves. And I want to say in this church, you're, we, we want to help. We want you to have freedom. It's 11.46, y'all. All right. All right. Key, keyboard. Come on, come up. We're ending. All right. But, but three things really quick. 
this isn't, comp- this isn't comprehensive, but to build love, okay? Foxes, yes, but at the same time, to cultivate and build love, three things quit. Stand up with me so, so, so we can end. First off, view conflict the right way. Don't be confused of when, not if, but when you hit conflict in your relationships. Don't think conflict equals the relationship is done, the relationship's over. Honestly, conflict, if interpreted right, is an, is an, is an opportunity for growth. Disguised as a problem. I've seen this 11 years, Kristen and, and I, at our times of greatest conflict, on the other side is our greatest seasons of intimacy. Because on, 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 honestly, big breakthroughs are preceded by great barriers. And some of you right now, you are in a tough, a tough season and your feelings are telling you this isn't gonna end, this, this, this isn't gonna end. And, and, but what I'm telling you t- today is that your greatest season of conflict right now is preceding your greatest breakthrough. I believe that for you. But you've gotta also get help if you need help. You've gotta do your part and let God do his part. It's a joint, it's a joint effort with him. Secondly, prefer progress over perfection. Some of y'all trying to have a perfect, uh, a perfect relationship and y'all, it, it's messy, man. Relationships are messy. I prefer progress over perfection. And progress in, in Christian world, we just consistently want this like glory to glory to glory. You know what, honestly, many times progress is five steps up, four steps down. Three steps up, two steps down. It's, it's kind of more like this, this like graph thing. And, and honestly, today, you need to be reminded that, that even in your walk with Christ, Jesus doesn't demand perfection because he was the only perfect one. He wants, pri- he wants a heart of progress from, from you. So we can stop having this burden of trying to have a perfect relationship and just say, we're gonna move forward. Lastly, put Jesus at, at the center, y'all. And, and if there's anything that we're going to actually end on, it's this right. Put Jesus at the center. The best thing you could do for your spouse is to put them second. The best thing you could do for your relationship is to put your significant under whatever second on the list and put Jesus first. Be a disciple and follower of Jesus first. Receive his love first, because it's, it's gonna be his love that is gonna fuel your Christ-like love for them. When you get that order wrong, you, you're, you're actually damning your relationship because you're putting them in a place of God-like status and they're a finite person and they're gonna fail you. But if you put Jesus in his rightful place, you don't see them for the person they are, you see them through who God sees them as. And that's a broken sinner saved and redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much, and God bless.